Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Welcome to the program. Ryan O'Leary here alongside, as always, John Siegler, the editor of the Saints Wire. John, this game against the Lions was about how I expected, right? If you don't play great football, the Lions can get you. I think we're all thinking, like, here we go. Here we go. After that breeze interception, it's like, oh, here here we go again. But no, the Saints actually score 35 unanswered points, win this ballgame 35-29, back to 2-2 on the season. All's right in the world, right, in New Orleans? Uh, It's certainly trending in the right directions there. You know, we saw a lot to like in that game after the first five minutes. We had Murphy's Law in effect there to start out. I mean, everything that could go wrong did go wrong there to start. I mean, the, the first pass of left Breeze's hands was intercepted and not not a great way to start to start your Sunday, but to their credit, the Saints rallied back. Uh, they, they didn't let the Lions get away from them and it, it all turned out uh, going well for New Orleans. Yeah, it kind of felt like a get-right kind of game, right, for the Saints. You see the effort after the horrible start. I thought a concerted effort by the Saints to throw the ball downfield a little bit more, right? I think Breeze and Sean Payton might have heard all the comments commentary on, hey, we're not throwing the football down the field. And it seemed like Breeze really made an effort to do that. They hit some 20-plus yard plays, more explosive plays that weren't Alvin Kamara running around. Kind of a get-right game, and you know, it's only going to get better when Michael Thomas comes back. So, good sign. Yeah, they, they were very encouraged by a lot of those things. Um, after the game, Breeze said, you know, I hope this is the one that shuts up a lot of people. There you go, there it is. Criticism. But, you know, the Lions, they showed the Saints a lot of favorable looks in coverage. They, they played a ton of man-to-man coverage. To their credit, the wide receivers, uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith, both, both had terrific games. They both made the most of their opportunities. And you can see that Breeze is much more comfortable working with those two now as opposed to the first week or two of the season. So a lot of progress has been made. And they're setting up for a, a really strong rally once we get Michael Thomas back in the lineup. Yeah, no doubt. And I do want to talk about the offense a little bit more here coming up. But first, uh, the story that just jumps off the page when you pull up the uh, Saints wire and the one that's been obviously the most shared and the most interacted with is this story about the uh, defense holding opposing rushers under 100 yards that we've been talking about it on our previous episodes. I don't think we expected uh, old man Adrian Peterson to do it, right, John? But they keep on doing this. And this thing's been like, this thing's going on almost three seasons, right? I mean, you get to the point we're, we're, what is it, 47 straight games now where a team hasn't rushed for 100 yards against the Saints? I mean, that's that's unbelievable. That's that's a remarkable stat, and it's it's really fun, and it's one that we're going to have to keep following because I don't see a ton of teams coming up on the Saints' schedule where they're going to be challenged in that regard. It's a historic number. I mean, this this is the third longest streak in NFL history. They, they, just, they just rose to number three all time with these 47 games. I've already I've mapped out what, what's ahead here over the next seven weeks, see if they can get that number one spot. And number two belongs to the old L.A. Rams, the Deacon Jones Rams. Uh, they're up at 51, I believe, 51 consecutive games without allowing a 100-yard rusher. 
And then up the, the top spot is Reggie White, Philadelphia Eagles, back in, in the uh, in the early nineties. So, so it's a very very uh, rare company to be in, and it's a credit to the Saints and the work they put in to be be so consistent in that area. Yeah, just looking at the opponents ahead, they're going to come out of the bye week probably against Christian McCaffrey. However, that could be run CMC's very first game coming off of injured reserve. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect him to rush for 100 yards out of the gate against such a strong run defense and one that has stopped him many times over the years. Uh, beyond that, there's, there's a couple wild cards in the mix. You look at guys like Melvin Gordon with the Broncos in a few weeks. You look at um, Austin Eckler with the Chargers uh, that is not going to play this Monday. He had, had a really a really bad hamstring injury. So he's out. Raheem Mostert. If that's the one I circled. When, yep. when the 49ers play. Yeah, I mean, that's the one. Yeah. We saw what Mostert did in, in the playoffs last year, especially against Green Bay, and he's one who also played well uh, in their game against the Saints last year. I, I recall Cameron Jordan joking about it a bit. He, he's like, yeah, you know, we, the 49ers had, had like 900 running backs back there. We would knock one down and five more take its place. It was, uh, <laughs> and Mostert was one of them, and we'll, we'll see what kind of shape he's in when he and the Saints uh, play here in a few weeks. How are the Saints doing this, John? I mean, that's that's an interesting stat to keep going over multiple seasons when there's turnover and, you know, every team changes a little bit each offseason. Like, how do you think the Saints have been able to keep this thing going? And a lot of these games, it's not even close. It's not like they're holding teams to 98 yards. I mean, they're holding to, like, 40 yards and, and stuff like that, like these backs. Like, they're not – these backs aren't even really approaching it against them. So a lot of it is just very strong fundamentals. Uh, the Saints invested a ton of resources in overhauling their defensive coaching staff a few years ago. The biggest acquisition they made was defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen. So before he made the jump to the NFL back in the 2017 offseason, I believe. And for that, he worked for uh, North Carolina State, uh, Go Wolfpack. He was a two-time nominee for the, gosh, I can't recall the name of the award. It's the award for the nation's best assistant coach. Uh, Joe Brady won it with LSU this past year. But he was their recruiting coordinator. He was their defensive line coach at NC State. Uh, he, he's just a tremendously gifted instructor as far as football fundamentals and getting guys to perform consistently from one snap to the next. And if you look at these Saints games, a lot of what they're doing happens up front in the trenches. Now, they have invested a, a lot of draft capital in their defensive line, but we're seeing guys like David Onyemata, who was a fourth-round pick from Canada several years back, who is just doing it perfectly in, in run defense. He's getting his hands inside of the opponent's pads. He's, control- he's hold- holding his gap. And he's creating opportunities for the linebackers to cut in there and stop the runner at the line of scrimmage. And that's happening snap after snap after snap. It's just really impressive, and it's a sign of what happens when you've got good coaching, good talent, and everybody's working on the same page. All right, so there's a lot of things to be excited about in this game, I think. I mean, the effort was there. Breeze looked a little bit better. Alvin Kamara continues to dominate. Defense made a couple plays, picked off a ball in the end zone, right? Penalties were more reasonable. I know I know that's still – Saints still lead the league in that category, John, but it's, it's going to be hard to get back to the pack. They're going to have to have a few games there to get back to the pack on that. But there is one thing that I love the most. I want to get John's opinion on that. We'll talk about it coming up. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for Week 5. Quarterback Teddy Bridgewater faces the Atlanta Falcons, which is the worst defense of quarterbacks through four weeks. 
Atlanta has many injuries on the back end, and Carolina has plenty of ways to exploit this defense. It has been so bad even Nick Foles threw three touchdowns and a half just a couple weeks ago. With Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers on a bye, consider Teddy Bridgewater as a viable starting quarterback. Jacksonville Jaguars running back James Robinson has the best matchup in the league for rushing yards generated. Houston has given up 651 yards on the ground in four games, including six rushing touchdowns. That's one every 20 carries. In addition, running backs have added another touchdown through the air. There's no telling how Houston will respond to the firing of head coach Bill O'Brien this week, but what we do know is this is a prime matchup to be exploited, and Robinson should be a running back two in all redraft lineups. Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Zach Pascal has a fine matchup of his own. The Cleveland Browns have given up eight touchdowns in four games against wide receivers. Names on the list include the likes of Willie Sneed, Mike Thomas, no, not that Mike Thomas, and Dontrell Inman. As you can see, that's not exactly a high bar to cross. Pascal will have some ups and downs, and Phillip Rivers has struggled, but this is a great matchup, and he's playable in a pinch. Pittsburgh Steelers tight end Eric Ebron comes back from their premature bye week to face the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a fine gamble for owners who are looking for a fill-in tight end or even a flex play. Philadelphia has permitted the position to score once every six and a half catches, which is the fourth highest rate. Just four teams have allowed more yards and more catches to the position in 2020, and a little extra time to prepare works in Pittsburgh's favor. Be sure to stay up on the latest news and notes, especially with COVID-19's impact on fantasy football. For more information, check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big game for Emmanuel Sanders today, and you can see the chemistry between him and Drew. Uh, you're smiling, so obviously you see it too. Uh, what's your take on that, just them finally getting it together? Oh, man, I'm definitely happy because uh, when they when they get going, it makes me want to get going and, you know, participate and make plays. Uh, it's just, you know, kind of was frustrating because uh, we didn't have the time, like, you know, OTAs to, you know, get the timing down with Drew. And that's a big thing with Drew, you know, his timing, his, his, his uh, anticipation. So, you know, once they got going, I knew it was going to be something special. And just to show you when they're on the same page, like, hey, when we all on the same page, look what our offense can do. Easily my favorite stat and my favorite piece of the box score, John, that just jumps out, and it jumped out during the game too, is the wide receivers leading the receivers, right? In the box score. It wasn't Kamara leading the receivers. It was the wide receivers. Yeah, it's been a while. Right, it has. It has. It was nice to see Traquan on there. Couple touchdown catches. Big That huge third down in the fourth quarter. We had an Emmanuel Sanders sighting, John. Six catches, 93 yards. He, was, he looked good. And it was great to see Breeze targeting them. They both had longs of 20-plus yards, so they had some chunk plays in there. Breeze targeting the receivers. Man, what a novel concept. It looks better when that's what's happening. So I feel like the Saints are kind of figuring out that piece. So that was my favorite part of the game. Yeah, these guys have really risen to the occasion here. Talked about it in the clip, but the, the timing is so critical in the Saints passing game where you're, you're on rhythm, you're hitting guys, or Breeze is hitting guys on passes at, at the back of the drop, and just having everyone in sync just does wonders for the offense. And that's what we've seen here. And this may be the silver lining for Michael Thomas missing a few weeks to start the season is the chemistry that Breeze has developed with Trick Juan Smith and with Manny Sanders 
we're seeing this in weeks three, four, and five here. And if Michael Thomas was in the game getting 10 or 12 targets every week, we may not see that until week eight or week nine or even week 10. And so we've really accelerated that. And you've got these guys contributing often. They're building confidence with each other in the system. They've got a lot of synergy going. And it's just very encouraging. And I'm very excited to see what happens when Michael Thomas gets added to the mix. And how close do you think Thomas is at this point, John? He could return this Monday, this week. This could be it. Um, he, he turned in. He, he was limited in practice all week. Um, last week, there was a chance for him to play, but they, they ultimately decided just to be a little more cautious about it, stretch this out a little longer, don't need him getting injured even more seriously. This feels like it could be the debut for Michael Thomas. Now, we won't know for certain until the injury reports come out. Uh, the first one comes out on Thursday when the show airs because they play on the following Monday. So kind of have to wait and see a little bit, but it does feel like things are set up so that Thomas can come back the week before the bye and send the Saints into the bye week on a high note. One thing Saints fans can kind of hang their hats on is that stretch where the Saints just scored 35 unanswered points, right, John? After they get down 14 nothing, they score late in the first half, and then they start the second half by scoring. They do that double score thing. It was just like, that's the Saints that we're used to seeing. It was great to see them do that. However, it was a little disappointing to see them not kind of, I don't know, just the knockout blow was kind of missing in the game, right? The Lions kind of crept back in there. We had to see the offense make some plays late to kind of run out the clock. We talked about the Traquan Smith play. Alvin Kamara picked up that late first down to seal it. So I think with like seven and a half minutes to go in the third quarter, Saints get up 35-14 or whatever it was, and then we don't see them score again. So I guess if I'm going to nitpick, I was a little disappointed in that. There was a couple drives there, late third quarter, early fourth, that went nowhere, and I, I remember one deep in Saints territory where Breeze took a deep sack, and it was just like, oh man, that's that was a nothing drive, you know. So if I'm nitpicking, a little disappointed there. I would love to see them keep it rolling and not let the Lions creep back in. Yeah, and a lot of that was attributed to uh, the loss of right tackle Ryan Remchak. He, he was concussed late mm-hmm. in the game, and they had to put a they had to put Ethan Greenage in. He, he's a backup, second year pro out of Villanova. Um, didn't play a single snap last season, and he got rushed into action. And it, it really hurt the offense. You know, they couldn't run to the right side anymore, which had been an area of strength for much of the game. I mean, Saints ran 39 times, I believe, on non-QB runs. They couldn't run to the right side late in the game to run out the clock like they wanted to. And on that big freeze back, that was a play where Greenwich just got beat uh, one-on-one uh, right, right off the edge there. Hopefully they'll, they'll have a better plan if Ramchak can't go this week. I know that they just got veteran backup James Hurst off the suspended list. He did serve his four weeks for a PED suspension when he was with the Ravens. So he's back. He's someone who we could see fill in in, in Ranchek's place if he can't play. But if nothing else, having a week to prepare rather than grabbing a guy off the bench and sending yeah. him into the game, that should yield better results. This matchup coming up here on Monday night is an interesting one. It's a one in three Chargers team. On paper, it seems like the Saints should be, you know, this, is, this one kind of sets up well for the Saints, especially if Michael Thomas is back in the lineup. But there's some interesting factors going on here. First of all, Chargers have a, a rookie quarterback that's playing some good football. And also, there's a good chance this game could get moved to Indianapolis. So uh, I want to get John's take on that. We'll do that coming up. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and BetSlippin' Podcasts, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on Week 5 Sunday Night Football matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored to win by 7 points at home. Seahawks plus 7 road dogs, over under 57.5 points. 
Jeff, I know we're both on the Seahawks to win this game and cover the seven points. How do you feel about that over-under? Yes, and I'm on the over in this game. Both the Vikings and the Seahawks have gone over the total in three of their four games this season. The Vikings have scored 30-plus in three of their four games, and the Seahawks have scored 30-plus in all four games. Also, a nice little trend here. The over is cash in four of the last five Seahawks primetime home games, with the other game being a push. Overs are abundant in the NFL this season. The sportsbooks are starting to take note. This 57.5 figure, way too high. Sunday night football matchup boosting that up as well. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSlippin' Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so a lot of these details are kind of starting to come together, and you're going to want to check Saints Wire because John and I are recording before this is becoming official. But it's not because of COVID, which is uh, decimating a lot of teams around the league, including my Patriots out here in New England. Man, John, that's been painful. Best offensive player and now best defensive player, both on the reserve list. Ouch. That's brutal here for uh, Patriots Nation. But for Saints Nation, we're dealing with what else? Hurricanes, right? And there's, a, there's one rolling in that's going to hit at the wrong time, and the Saints might not be playing this one in the Superdome. Yeah, we've got uh, Hurricane Delta coming in. It's, it's a very unusual storm. We, you don't see a lot of hurricanes in the Western Gulf this time of year. They usually come in from, from the eastern side. There's a lot of uncertainty about where exactly it's going to make landfall when and at what strength. And so that's got the NFL concerned about flying the Chargers in a day after or even possibly during this hurricane uh, coming through southwestern Louisiana. That, that could be a, a problematic. It could be troubling for... The Saints logistics, their operations, all this. So it's it's the last resort option is what was reported by the Athletic uh, early Wednesday morning, but it is an option on the table, and we should know by the time the show goes to air. But right now, if the Saints do have to relocate to Indianapolis for Monday night's game, they've got everything planned out. They've got the hotel rooms reserved. They've got the practice facility to themselves. They've got everything ready to roll in case they have to make that switch. Hopefully everything will work out. Hopefully the storm will not be as strong as, some models have it and hopefully everything works out for the best here but it's certainly something on the table and we're kind of anxiously sitting here waiting for it to situation to get resolved yeah no i mean and that changes things a little bit it kind of takes it obviously it changes a home game to an, it makes it a neutral site right so that's that's something i mean saints are favored by seven and a half points right now assuming that game gets played at home i'm not sure if moving the game will change the line or anything we'll have to keep an eye on that throughout but you know, another interesting factor in this game is the play of Justin Herbert. He's playing much better than I thought he would, John. I, I, I wasn't even sure if we'd see him this year. I thought it was going to be a lot of Tyrod Taylor, but that crazy thing that happened with the team doctor puncturing his lung with a, an injection for a broken rib or whatever it was, oh my God, that's an unbelievable story. It sends Justin Herbert in, and then the coaches realize, Whew, we got we got something here. This kid can really play. He looks really good, and he put a scare into those Tampa Bay Bucks last week, and I'll tell you. If defenses want to, you know, get a little aggressive and blitz that kid, he's going to get you. He's he's tough against the blitz, and he stood in there and made some unbelievable. I'm not going to say unbelievable throws. Like let's go, like let's pump the brakes here. But he made some great throws for a rookie quarterback. 
this might not be like a walk in the park here. This Chargers team is kind of dangerous. Yeah, the Chargers have a great roster. They've got lots of talent on both sides of the football. Uh, Justin Herbert is a dangerous quarterback. I mean, he, like you said, he can stand tall against the blitz. Uh, he, he can make a lot of NFL-quality throws. The factor that concerns me is his running ability. And the Saints have always struggled to contain these, these mobile quarterbacks. Uh, we saw Matthew Stafford run for 12-yard gain on third down against, yep. against the Saints last week. Uh, that, might, that might be his career long. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Stafford's not known for his legs, but right. he had uh, green acres ahead of him there. So that's an area where Herbert could take advantage against the Saints defense. He could catch him flat-footed every now and then. We could even see the Chargers scheme up some runs for him to take advantage of, of that mismatch. Uh, I know I would if I was the Chargers coach. Some other factors to the game, the Austin Eckler injury is huge. I mean, he was their leading rusher. He was their third or fourth ranked uh, player in, tar- in targets in the passing game. That's a huge void that I'm not really sure they have the personnel to fill. I could very easily see this game becoming Herbert going in alone against the Saints defense. I can see the Saints shutting down the Chargers on the ground, except for these Herbert scrambles every now and then. And then it becoming how many deep passes can Herbert hit against the Saints defense, which has struggled to contain those deep passes. Right, right. And whenever they have got an incomplete pass, it's typically been followed by a penalty. Right, I was going to say, how many DPIs are going to be called? Gosh, it's great. So the Saints are on pace for 44 DPI calls this year. I don't think a team has had more than 17 over the last decade in a single season. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it is. It's, it's ridiculous. They've got almost 244 yards of penalties. Penalty yards purely off of DPIs. Now, some of that is warranted. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, those guys are known as being pretty grabby in coverage. And at the same time, it's been kind of a trend with the Saints first four weeks. And we'll see if it changes. If the Saints general uh, decrease in penalties continues, which they were only flagged four times last week, which is a, uh, a season low. Uh, <laughs> Career low we, for the season. We could, we could, <laughs> yeah, really. So we, we could have a cleaner ball game on Monday night. Yeah, I like it. So it feels like with the Saints rushing defense being on this historic pace, I don't see the, the guys behind Eckler who are going to be playing, what, Justin Jackson and uh, Josh Kelly, I think, you know, two younger running backs. I, I don't see them being much of a factor. So, yeah, now you're making it a one-dimensional game. It makes me kind of lean Saints 7.5, but I got to see how this line moves with the neutral site if they move to Indy or what. But makes me lean Saints. I kind of like the Saints in this matchup, especially if Michael Thomas is back. Like, just give me it. Yeah, I like the Saints, too, and it's important that we don't lose sight of the other players who were dealing with injuries beyond Michael Thomas. Uh, the Saints were down six starters against the yeah, Lions a week yeah. ago. If they get half of those, well, they were down six, and then they lost the seventh with Ramchek uh, late in the game. So, really, they, they finished the day with seven starters on the sidelines. So, if they get half of those guys back against the Chargers, then I really like the Saints' odds in this one. I don't know that I could see them winning by a, a touchdown or more, but I do think that they've got what it takes to come away with a win and go into the bye week at 3-2. and two. All right, John, perfect, man. Hey, stay safe and healthy, and uh, we'll break it down next week, all right? Yes, sir. Sounds great. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, 
human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.